for this moment of this service, oh God. We thank you, God, for the singing and the testimonies, God. We thank you, God, for the choir and everything up to this moment. I'm asking you, God, to bless us even right now, God. Your spirit is already here, God. We can feel you moving throughout the atmosphere. God, speak through me, Lord God, to deliver a word, Lord God, to set the captives free, God. Speak through me, oh God, to encourage somebody. Speak through me, Lord God, and get all the glory. Hallelujah. Let your will be done tonight, Lord God. We don't want to move without you, Lord God. Let your will be done right now, God. Let us feel you, oh God, and give you all the praise, God. Let us, oh God, have a testimony that we're leaving out of the house better than how we came in, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. And we want to give you the praise by saying thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up this morning. Thank you, Lord, God, for starting us on our way, God. Thank you, Lord, God, for the activities of our lives. Thank you, Lord, because we know that you're worthy. Let your will be done right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Can we give God some praise in the house? Even as we sit down, can we give God some praise? Hallelujah. and tie that into Philippians chapter number 4, verse 13, and we'll be on our way. It says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. He says, Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision." For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice, there goes that word again, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I may also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath wear off, he might trust in the flesh, I more. He says, this is my background, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, he says, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul says, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. That I may know him, Paul says, that I may, it's a personal thing, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend, apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Jesus apprehended me, and so I'm trying to apprehend him. He says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, Paul says, I press towards the mark for the, high, for the prize of the high calling of God, he says, in Christ Jesus. Amen. I just want to tie this into Philippians chapter number 4 and verses 13. We all know this scripture. He says, I can do all things. Through Christ, which strengthens me. Paul says, I can do all things. Someone just say all things. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me. Well, for the few preaching moments that I have, I want to come out of this simple topic. The price of commitment. 
the price of commitment. And for a subtopic, I just want you to turn to a neighbor and say, neighbor, no more hiding. It's real. And if you're sitting next to a neighbor that looks mean, find another neighbor and say, neighbor, no more filters. It's real. Amen. Amen. It's the Apostle Paul that is writing this text. You go back to the first chapter. He makes it known to the church in Philippi that it's him that is writing to them to encourage them. And he's writing this particular epistle, this letter, at the risk of his own life because he is writing stationed from a prison cell, which is quite interesting. And though this letter was written close to 2,000 years ago, I believe it's a very timely epistle that's relevant even in 2018. Because Paul is showing the Christian community that you can go through a difficult season in your life, but you don't have to go under. You can go through it, but it's not going to necessarily wipe you out. And he's saying that even though I'm in prison, that's an external situation, I have something on the inside that has the power to keep me, has the power to keep me. So he doesn't sound like a man that's in prison. If you read this book, it doesn't sound like he's suffering, doesn't sound like he doesn't have his freedom. In fact, Philippians is one of the most joyful books that you're going to read from Paul because in some of his epistles, He's really just tearing up the church for acting crazy. If you read those Corinthian letters where they got chaos happening in the church. I know, I know that's not happening at AFC, but in some churches you got to be just tough. Well, Paul, speaking to the church in Philippi, uses the word joy and the word rejoice over 15 times. And one of the greatest verses that we have is in Philippians 4 verse 3 when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he reminds them, just to forget you forgot what I said, again I say, rejoice. And, and he's, he's really just bringing their mind to understand that even though I'm in prison, I still have a joy that the world did not give me and the world cannot take away. Amen. I think it's quite interesting because I was talking to my wife this afternoon when we were driving from Philadelphia and I was saying, uh, what's your definition of joy? And she started to get all deep and theological. She said, joy is uh, something that only can come from God. You know, the world doesn't have joy like we have joy. And I agree with her. You know, we have a joy that other people don't have. But if you start to poll other people that don't go to church, they'll tell you I have joy just the same way. They tell you I go to the club, young people, and I find joy. They'll say I might go to the bar, and I have joy. And I think it's quite interesting that I'm in Connecticut tonight where there was an overdose of over 80 people yesterday where people thought they could get high and could find joy and they woke up in the hospital. I'm just grateful to God that the joy that we're speaking of tonight doesn't leave us with any condemnation, doesn't make us feel ashamed after church is over. We don't have to wonder if anyone saw us or were embarrassed of what we did. This joy that we have, Paul is talking about, the world did not give it to us, and the world cannot take it away, which then means that the joy that we're connected to is something that is sustainable. Because if you're looking for joy on the outside, you may have it for a season, but it's going to run out. You may have it for a moment, and you may get to that euphoric state, but after a while, you're going to find yourself right back, right on the ground. And it's interesting because in the 21st century church, the question has to be asked to all of us tonight, do we know how to go through like Paul did without going under? I ask that question because a lot of us know what it is to go through. And because we don't know where our joy comes from, we find ourselves going under. And so Paul is just saying that if you got this joy from the Lord, you will have this rejoicing even when all manner of hell is breaking loose in your life. Young people, when nobody likes you in school, you still have a joy. As, as the sister was testifying when her friends were going to the party and I enjoyed your peace tonight, amen, she was saying at least I could find some time 
to get connected to God because I know at least he will not leave me, neither will he forsake me. Well, Paul told us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, if I could just go down there. He said, I've learned in this season called life because all of us are going to go through something. And I want to tell you, young people, if you haven't gone through anything, you live long enough. You're going to go through something. Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 11, that for I've learned in whatever state I am, therewith to be content, which is a very uh, hidden word in our society because we always have to be entertained. Paul is saying, wherever I find myself, I just learn how to be content. He goes a little bit deeper in verse number 12. He says, I know both to be a base, which is to be brought down and be humble. He says, I know how to be abound or to increase. I, he says, everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer. And we read this verse. He says, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. He's saying that my joy that I'm telling you about is not just a fairy tale. It's not just a testimony that sounds good to make everyone jump up and down. But this joy that I'm talking about is because I'm connected to Jesus Christ. Just tell yourself, I need to be connected. I, I, need, I need to be connected. Because this 21st century church, unfortunately, is in a very interesting time where we are so attracted to everything that seems like gold, but I heard them tell me not everything that glitters is gold. And so we have to be living with a mindset that I can do all things, but it's through Christ. Not through my education, not through my last name, not through my pedigree, but I can do all things through, through Christ. It's quite interesting because we're living in this day and age, and I want to talk to my young people for a little bit. We're living in this day and age where there's so much happening in cyberspace and so much happening on the Internet. And we're living in an age where we're so focused on likes. Am I in the right church? And we're so focused on tweets and retweets. And we're so focused on instant messages and direct messages. Am I, am I preaching to any young people? Maybe some adults may find yourself in the same category, but it's interesting that we're living in an age of Snapchat, and we're living in an age of filters. Does anyone know what filters are? I'm going to help the mothers in the house. Filters on Facebook and on Snapchat is where you can look at the camera, and then it puts some effects on your face. And for some, people are grateful for that. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not calling nobody ugly. I'm just saying some people are grateful to have the flowers all around and your eyes change to green. And, and it's quite interesting. That's the time that we're living in where we just want to look better than what we really are. And because of that, it is false, Bishop. It's, it is false. And, and when you meet them in person, it's, whoa, I, I thought you were different. I, I thought it was different, but it's just a filter. It's, it's just a filter. And, and, and we, we, we now are so connected to our smartphones. I think everybody in the house has a smartphone, with the exception of my wife. She still has a flip phone, but it's all right. It keeps our bill down. It keeps our cell phone bill down. But we're so stimulated by what we see on our laptops and, and what we see on Facebook. And, and we, we're always looking for this stimulation and self-gratification. And it's really just trying to have a sense of self-importance. Everything I need is seemingly in the palm of my hand. And parents, you can amen back to me when you're driving to church. Don't you see your children's head? Just down, 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 down. And you try to have a conversation with them and they didn't hear a word you said. It's just because they're connected to something. They're connected to something. And the issue is that with instant connectivity, I always have to wait for someone to respond to me to feel important. I have to always wait for someone to say something to me and reply to me in order to have joy. And ironically, Paul is isolated by himself. Nobody is around him in this prison cell. Nobody is giving him any letters of comfort, but yet in his isolation, in his solitude, 
Paul can write to the church and tell them, in my situation, I still have joy. It's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. Here we are, we're free, but yet we're trapped in our mind because we're waiting for somebody to give us joy. But Paul is by himself, and he's writing to the church, and he's letting them know, by myself, I still have joy. It's a paradox that I hope I can bring out properly because what has happened is we've allowed ourselves to become enslaved to technology. You know, back in the Old Testament, they had the gods, the Dagon, and they had the gods of the cow and the gods of the sun and, and all those different gods. And we think that because the Old Testament is done away with that we don't have gods today. But the God of the 21st century is right in your pocket. Yes, it is. And, 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 and you can tell us a God because you spend more time on it than you do even giving God thanks. Am I right about it? And I hope I'm not stepping on anyone's toes, but I just want to help us to understand that if your joy comes from a cell phone, your battery may just die and you may not feel anything after a while. But I'm glad that I have a God that rose from the dead and he lives forevermore. He, he lives forevermore. He lives forevermore. Because of this new age of information, we've created an environment where we always have to know what's going on. Young people know I write about you always refreshing your timeline. And you know it's the same thing that you saw five minutes ago, but you're still refreshing your timeline to see if you missed something. You're always trying to get into the latest trend and the latest fad and trying to find out if something is happening. And you always want to have the quickest response because if you miss something, then you feel like you let somebody down. Always trying to look perfect, hence for the filters, and you can't take a picture without a filter. I see even young men taking pictures with filters. Brother Allen, I don't know what's up with that, but it's, it's quite interesting that even men want to look good. We call it a selfie, Bishop, it's taking selfies. But, but the truth is, when you examine yourself, are you connected to God? With all these changes that are happening in our world, there's nothing wrong with technology. There's nothing wrong with being modern and up-to-date, but I'm just telling somebody I cannot afford to tr trade in direction for speed. Just because I can get there fast doesn't mean I'm going in the right direction. Just because everybody in my class is doing doesn't mean I'm going in the right direction. Just because I'm liked by people around me doesn't mean I have joy because I'm connected from God. And so now it's affected our world. And it's even got into our churches. Because I can't be free to express myself. I can't be vulnerable, my brothers and sisters. I always have to look like everything is perfect. And so now I can't just share that I may be struggling. I may be going through an issue. I may be going through a dark season in my life. But I have to live up to this filter that my life is perfect. And this culture has even crept into our churches. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that there's people sitting under the sound of my voice that are struggling, but you got to act like everything is together. Hallelujah. And because of that, because of that, Paul is just saying that you don't have to be afraid. You just got to know who you're connected to. You got to know who you're connected to. Got to know who you're connected to. Paul said in first, or rather Philippians 1 verse 14, And many of the brethren in the Lord have waxed confident by my bonds. So he's saying, I'm going through a difficult season, but I'm not seeing it negatively. My situation is to testify that God is still good even in isolation. God is still good when nobody's around me. God is still good even though I may lose my life because I'm connected to God. He says, and more bold to speak the word without fear. And I want to talk about that because how often does the enemy allow us as young people to walk in our classrooms with fear? No one even knows that we're a Christian. No one even knows that we come to church on Sunday. No one even knows that we have a relationship with God. We're walking around with fear. But Paul is saying, because of my situation. And I'm not afraid to testify about my situation. 
My testimony is now becoming an encouragement to someone, and now you got the boldness to tell someone who Jesus is. Hallelujah to God. He's operating in the spirit of boldness. Someone just shout boldness. Boldness. And that's why Paul can say, I can do all things through Christ because my strength is not coming from you. My strength is coming from Christ. And I want to help someone to understand you don't have to be afraid of people's opinions if you are connected to Christ. Hallelujah. You don't have to worry about people and be silent even in church. You can testify and say, I'm going through, but I believe my God will step right in. I just believe in the fire he's going to step right in. I believe he's going to step right in. And so now because technology is the God of our age, all of us in this room have the power to be connected. But many of us are isolated. Can I say that again? We're connected. We know everything that's happening. We know LeBron James. We know what's happening with the Lakers. We know what's happening in the fashion world. We know what's happening in popular society. But yet, because of that, we found ourselves isolated. Isolated. And so now, the only way that I can be stimulated is by technology. The only time I can find enjoyment is when someone is talking to me, and, and we've missed out on being connected to Christ. And, and what's happening, if I can make it any plainer, is our passion, our joy is driven off of the external. It's everything that's happening around us. That, that's what gives us joy. So if things aren't going my way, you can tell by how you look in church. You, you sit right in church with your hands folded and you don't, the, the praise and worship leader has to pump you to praise God because you're so focused on the external, but you don't know my joy is coming from the Lord. The scripture says it's like a well of water springing up. Anyone know what that well is? It's just something on the inside. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is mine. But if you don't have joy from the Lord, that must mean you are weak. That's simply what it is. And, and so now I'm always pressured to live like things are perfect. I'm, I'm pressured. I'm pressured. I'm always looking for the approval. I'm always looking for validation. I always got to look at my Facebook pictures to see if they liked me. Or if they loved my videos, how many views did I have? And, and how many followers do I have? And, and all these things may be fine, but what you're saying is my joy is happening from what people do to me. And I want to tell you young people especially that nobody posts their failures. They only post their success. So it seems like everything is going well in that person's life but you don't know what they're going through. And so here you are trying to live up to their per perfect world, and you don't even know they're going through the worst season of their life. But it's sad because now we're living in that day and age. It's called a fake reality. Well, Paul is showing us the power and the importance of, of being disconnected to anything that's going to disconnect us from Christ. Can I say that again? There's some decisions you got to make to disconnect yourself from in order that you don't get disconnected from God. Hallelujah to God. And so the scripture tells us, as we read in Philippians chapter 3, he says, For we are the circumcision, which simply means cut off. Someone just shout cut off. We are cut off. Some things you have to cut off. I know it feels good. I know everyone's doing it. I know it's the popular trend, but you got to be the circumcision, which worship God in the spirit. And if it's in the spirit, that means it's something on the inside. It's, it's not what you're wearing. It's not how you dress. It's not how many people think you look good. It has to be a spiritual connection. Because if the spirit is living on the inside, you're going to dress right anyways. But, but it's the spirit. Someone just shout spirit. He said the spirit of God is what we worship with. And he says that word, that magic word, and rejoice in Christ. And he says, have no confidence in the flesh. And I got to bring that up because in this day and time, the enemy has been so cunning to make us have confidence in ourselves. And so that's why many young people have low self-esteem. 
because you think you're not beautiful enough, young ladies. And you don't have enough money in your pocket, young men. And, and you don't got enough things going your way. And so now, instead of having confidence, as Paul said, have confidence, we're walking around with our head held down. But my scripture says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And you know what's going to happen? The king of glory shall come in. You, you can sit down. I, I'm, just, I'm just getting my introduction. I'm just trying to get into this thing. Amen. I, I need to have confidence from God. And so Paul has gotten to a place where his relationship with God is not based on external things. That's why he gave us this pedigree. He told us it's not about my last name because I've been there and I've done that. He says, of the stock of Israel, he says, of the tribe of Benjamin, I am a Hebrew of the Hebrew. So if I were going to boast in where I came from, I would have done it. But it's not in that. It's, it's not in that. It's not in that. If it was education, because sometimes when people go to school and get educated, elder, they feel like they got it all together and they don't need God anymore because they got all the education. Young people, I'm telling you, when you get your master's and when you get your doctors, you still need Jesus. You, you still need to be connected to Jesus. So, so Paul says, as touching the law. If you want to call me a lawyer, call me a lawyer. I was a Pharisee, but, but my confidence is not in any of those things. And for us as children of God, it's not in our popularity because the same people that like your status are the same people that will sabotage your success. Can I say that again? Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll lift you up. Oh, yes, last Jesus, they said, Hosanna in the highest. They lifted up, and the next week, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. It's, nothing has changed. And if you're looking to people's approval and praise, yeah, they'll give you praise. But, but after a while, they'll be the same one to say, crucify him. Just, just crucify her. I, she's not important anymore. If you're looking for social media likes in the social media age, they'll be on your timeline today. But if you make a mistake, Deacon Kirby, you'll be going viral tomorrow. Is that right, Brother Joshua? We were seeing some videos, especially in church, where people videotape people falling and making mistakes, and it's viral. My own church brothers looking for a reason to talk about other people. They will give you the social media approval, but they will also be the same ones that bring you down. If it's in the followers, those same people are only following you because they're nosy. They just want to know what's going on in your life. They just want to know. And, and when something bad happens, they're going to be spreading it everywhere. They, they're just nosy. They don't like you. They're, they're just nosy. They're just nosy. And, it, and it's, it's, it's people are coming up to us as preachers, Elder Gettys. They'll say, boy, you preach tonight, Doc. And, and, and they'll, they'll say all these good things about you, but behind your back. It's amazing behind the preacher's back. It's, we're not excluded from this situation. They'll bring us right down. And, and we've got to find ourselves in a place where I'm not getting approval from external, but, but I, I'm connected to God. I, I don't have to have a filter on to feel important. I, I don't have to look important to feel like I'm a child of the king. I know who I am. And every time I come through these doors, I'm not looking who's around me, but, but I came to lift up Jesus. Can we give God some praise? Lord, I feel some help coming on. Hallelujah to God. I, I, I got to take the filter off like everything is perfect. Because if I have the filter on, then I have to live up to the expectation that life is perfect. But the truth is, life is not always perfect. And people's public opinion about me is not going to help me when I'm struggling. People's likes and shares are not going to help me when I'm going through a season of sadness. People's likes and shares and pats on the back are not going to help me when the enemy is trying to destroy my soul. But if I have a connection to Jesus, hallelujah to God. And so that's why Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 7, but what things were gained to me? Hallelujah. He says, those things I counted lost for Christ. I don't need them, Brother Allen, because at the end of the day, they can't help me. They can't save my soul from hell. They can't deliver me when suicide is crisscrossing through my mind. I count them lost. Hallelujah to, to God. Hallelujah. And the question I have to ask to the young people at AFC and really everybody under the sound of my voice is, are you willing to lose something for Christ? Because the truth is he lost everything for you. 
So Paul then goes on to verse number eight. He says, yeah, doubtless. I count all things but loss. There goes that word again, loss. I, I count those things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, my Lord for whom I've suffered. There goes the word again, the loss of all things and do count them but dumb that I may win Christ. Now, now Paul used the word dumb and he was just being polite about it. Because we know in our lives, if we're honest, not just young people, but everybody, we know that we've chased after certain things and we got ourselves in a mess. Can, can I preach it like I feel it? There's some things that we thought once we get, we'll be satisfied. And once we get there, he Paul said, I count them dung. It, it wasn't important. It, was, it wasn't even valuable. Young people, you find yourself in someone's DM. And you think getting with that boy or that girl is going to make you feel like somebody. But Paul is saying, it's just a mess. Just get yourself all messed up because it doesn't give you joy. It's just a temporary feeling. But, but I need to be connected to Christ. So that's why he says that I may win Christ. I will lose some things so I can win Christ. You see, we're in the wrong kind of game and we think we're getting the right kind of gratification until we realize we lost all. And that's why Jesus said, what does a prophet a man to gain? Gain the whole world, but you lose at the end. Paul just saying, I count it dung that I may win Christ. I may win Christ. So I have to move from this fake thing of our society and get into a, a committed relationship with Christ. And, and I want to tell everybody that commitment can only be measured in the face of conflict. I got to say that one more time. Genuine commitment can only be measured in a season or a period of conflict because all of us can learn how to have lip service. And that's one of the biggest issues in our time where we know how to testify. And we know how to have church when things are going conveniently our way. But I'm saying if we're going to be committed, it's going to be in the face of chaos. When nobody likes you at school. When people are talking about you on your job. When your own family turns their back on you. I'm talking about committed. Hallelujah to God. You see, we've created a generation of churchgoers where we've been so addicted to emotionalism but have not caught on to the importance of commitment. And so now because many of us don't have faith in God, we just serve him conveniently. When trouble arises, we're nowhere to be found. We're nowhere to be found. And see, without genuine commitment, we learn how to shout, Elder Giddes. At the age of two, I was shouting, and I was speaking in tongues. I wasn't filled, but I, was, I knew how to have church at a young age. My grandfather was a bishop. My daddy's a bishop, so we were just coming to church. But that doesn't mean I was connected, and that doesn't mean that I was committed. I thank God for your peace tonight. Just not being a church kid. But knowing who, I, I knew how to dance. I, I knew how to get, put my foot down and, and tear it up just like the rest of them. I, I knew what to do to look good. I knew when the time came, when the service slowed down, how to cry. I knew when to stand up. But, but my question is, has anyone learned how to be committed? Committed because the truth is, the enemy is just waiting for an opportunity to kill us. Can I say that one more time? He's just looking for one opportunity. And as I reminisce on how the enemy is so cunning, I go back to when Jesus was instructing Peter. He said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. That's all he does. And then Jesus said, because of that, I prayed that your faith fail not. See, see, when you're committed, your faith ain't going to run out. When you're committed, it's not because of who's preaching while you feel good. It's just I'm connected. I, I feel committed. And, and so Jesus said, I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. But watch how emotionalism gets in the way. Peter said, Jesus, I will die with you. That's what he said. That's, it's in the word. That's in the text. He said, I'm willing to go anywhere and I'll die with you. And Jesus said, you're just speaking out of your feelings. You just got to filter on like everything as well. But the truth is, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I don't want to go down your road, but many of us have denied Christ many times in our life. Because we learn how to be emotional, but we don't know how to be committed. 
Lord, help me to preach this thing. Hallelujah to God. So, so Peter is not the only one, but some of us find ourselves just like Peter. And I'm just saying, I pray that your faith fails not. I pray when you go to school in September, young people, that your faith fails not. I'm just saying when you go to work on Monday, when you see your co-worker that said, what did you do this weekend? You don't try to say, I didn't go to church. But you're bold enough to tell someone, I went into the house of the Lord. I lifted my hands. I gave them praise. And I got joy, 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 unspeakable joy, full of glory. I, I, I can't afford to pretend to have church because the enemy is not pretending with me. He's trying his best. He, he's trying his best. And, and, and we're living in a society that's, that's full of atheism where they don't only say there is no God, but they also say there's no Satan. And that's the worst lie that could ever be told because Satan is just waiting for an opportunity. And it's not when you turn a teenager at young ages, we're hearing about young five-year-olds, six-year-olds committing suicide. What does a child know about suicide? But it reminds me that the enemy does not care how young you are. He just wants to destroy you. He doesn't care who your parents are. He doesn't care about the money or whatever in your life. He just wants to take you out so you never come to the knowledge, as Paul says, of who Jesus really is. And so Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you. I'm telling you, Satan desires to destroy you. Satan desires to confuse you. And while we're on the word confusion, we got boys trying to dress like girls because they're putting on a filter of who they think they should be. And we got girls dressing like boys and they're just confused. The enemy is trying to destroy a generation. But, but I came to AFC to tell someone, this is the generation that's going to seek his face. This is the generation that's going to lift him up. This is the generation. Lord, I feel my help coming on. This is the generation. So Paul told the church in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, for those that are taking notes, he says, lest Satan should get an advantage. That means just slip in and get a strong hold on you. He says, for we are not ignorant to his devices. Just find a neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant. Because emotionalism will get you ignorant. Emotionalism will allow you to understand that everything seems to be going well, but it's not. That you're just ignorant. You're just ignorant. And I want to tell you, young people, the devil has a filter game of his own. Yes, he does. And he filters through our emotions. So, so he'll send that DM late at night. I know someone knows what I'm preaching about. Three in the morning, and that girl says to you, young brothers, what are you doing? And, 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 and he said, nothing. What are you doing? And then it goes from what are you doing to it goes to what are you wearing? Let me see a picture. And, and it happens right in the house, Elder right, right in the house. And you don't even realize the enemy now has gotten you to compromise your integrity. And you don't even realize it was just a filter game because once it's over, he's gotten the advantage of you and you're spiritually in prison. So that's why the Bible says we can't just live by our sight. Our faith is internal, so we walk by faith and not by sight. That, that's what my scripture says, because if I'm just walking by what I see, and if I'm walking by what I feel, and if, if I'm just walking by what is good to me, then I'll find myself in the hands of the enemy. I'll be ignorant. But, but I want to tell someone one more time, we walk by faith and not by sight. Can I talk about our emotions a little bit? Because that's where I find this generation, emotions. We, we feel things, and, and feelings and emotions are the number one killers of millennials. Millennials, the age of 20 to 40. And centennials are the age of 20 lower. So I know I'm preaching to some millennials, and I know I'm preaching to some centennials. One of the greatest killer of the church is our feelings. Just tell a neighbor, don't be stuck in your feelings. Hallelujah. And, and what it sounds like is this. I'm tired of going to church because the missionaries were too mean. That's your feelings. 
and you feel as if you should be treated a certain way. And I'm not giving the missionaries a right to just abuse people. But I'm saying when you're just solely relying on your feelings, don't you know the enemy is going to put the right thing in your way so you never come through those doors? So, so now that I'm in my feelings, we say things like, I- I'm done with church because the testimony service was too long. And, and I, I got to get home because I'm missing my TV show or, or I'm missing this and that. And we get stuck in our feelings. Somebody's preaching with me. And we say things like, I'm frustrated because uh, going to church and the preacher is just doing too much. He's always preaching on me and he's always saying things about me. You don't even know it's the word that's going to save your soul from destruction. But, but your feelings is getting in the way. Your feelings. And a lot of times, young people, you say, I'm bored. Because we're living in the technology age where we always have to be stimulated. Always got to be gratified. So I'm bored. And so service was dry. And so I'm just saying that I can afford to be stuck in my feelings because the enemy has only one plan for my life. And that is to kill, steal, and destroy. Can I say that again? Kill. Kill your vision. That's why you got grown men staying home, got no vision, and was killed playing video games. Just doing nothing, just playing video games. And you got young girls just watching the real. Am I right? Jacqueline, we're just watching the real, just got nothing better to do and having people pour into your spirit, not knowing they're getting you further and further disconnected from Christ. Because whatever's feeding you, you will become. If I just eat junk food, Deacon Kirby, I'm going to look like I eat junk food. But if I just watch junk and if I keep on taking in junk, my life is going to be junk. So the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I come that you may have life. Can I get it? take it a little bit deeper before I go high? Can I? Uh, And when our feelings then get the best of us, we move from a relationship with God, which is committed to then something that's more complicated and convenient. Because now I'm in church and I'm stressed out. I'm frustrated. I'm aggravated. And, and, And now I've allowed the worst of me to get the best of me. And, and it looks like this. I lose interest in things that I was once interested in. And, and, and now it's becoming more convenient to find something else. So, so I used to lead praise and worship service, but, but now because someone's looking at me funny, I don't want to sing anymore. And, and I might have been on the drums a few Sundays ago trying to be somebody growing in God, but because they yelled at me, I'm playing too fast, I'm not going to play anymore. I'm stuck in my feelings. And something more convenient comes our way. It may be a basketball game. I know Sunday service is a perfect time for the NFL game. So they're telling you, Bishop, make your message a little bit shorter. Just make that thing shorter. And what has happened, what I'm trying to say is we've allowed something else to get in the way of when we used to be committed. We've allowed something to happen and it aggressively, it starts slow, but it aggressively pulls us away from God. And if you don't remember anything I say tonight, remember this. Backsliding does not start when you stop coming to church. Backsliding starts right here in the house. So I can be preaching, but your mind is somewhere else. They can be singing, and your mind is somewhere else. And and what happens is the enemy, he drops these seeds in our mind. It just starts as little seeds. You don't think it's important, but it's just seeds. But after a while, they turn into strongholds. Because now you don't even have joy when you come through the house. You don't even feel God when you pray. You don't even feel God when you sing. And the stronghold has gotten to you. Hallelujah. I didn't know missing church would happen, but now it's happening. I didn't know that I would be zoned out during the preaching, but guess what? It's happening. I didn't know that I would be leaving church complaining on the whole way home, but now it has happened because one seed, someone just say one seed. One seed has become a stronghold, and and now my feelings are pulling me away from God. But can I tell someone, your feelings can't help you when you're in struggles. Your feelings can't help you when no one likes you in school. In fact, it was going to be the same feeling to tell you, take your life. You can't be stuck in your feelings. You can't allow your education to make you feel as if you're somebody, and you can't allow popularity to get in the way of making you feel like you are important. I I just want to tell you, strongholds 
rules can only be broken by the power of God. It can only be broken by the power of God. And that's why the scripture says the anointing breaks the yoke. Someone just shout anointing. The anointing breaks the yoke. And I don't know what your stronghold is tonight, but I'm saying you come to the right place at the right time to get your deliverance. Before you step to school in September, you come to the right service to hear a word from the Lord that you can leave delivered. Someone just shout joy. So I want to get to my punch when Paul tells us in Philippians 4 verse 13, I can do all things through Christ. It has to be a connection to Christ. It has to be a commitment to Christ. And he tells the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 6 verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong. Just find a neighbor and just say, be strong. And I'm not just talking about faking it. I'm talking about really being strong. He said, be strong in the Lord. And then he says, in the power of his might. Not your might, not your popularity, but his might. Hallelujah. And he says, don't get stuck in a filter game. He says, you need to put on the whole armor. The whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Can you feel him fighting, young people? Can you feel him fighting? He's fighting in your homes. He's fighting. That's why divorce is on the rise. He's fighting. He, he's fighting in your schools. Do you, do you see it? Bullying is on the rise. He says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but rather principalities against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world. He says against spiritual weakness in high places. See, the enemy is just strategic. He, he's working everywhere. And because of that, Paul has to tell them, wherefore, you got to take on the whole armor. You can't afford to miss anything, my brothers and sisters. You got to take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand and withstand the evil day. And just in case you don't know what I'm preaching about, we're in the evil day right now. When 80 people can be overdosed with marijuana, lice, with something else, we're living in the evil day. When we're living in a day when a man can be with a man and say it's okay, we're living in the evil day. When people can go into schools and shoot up schools and have no remorse, we're living in the evil day. When you can see chaos happening in homes and, and domestic violence, not only physical but verbal, you're living in the last days. That's what Paul says, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then he tells me, having done all to stand, he says it one more time, stand. Therefore, someone just say stand. It's time for my young people to stand. It's time not to be afraid. It's not time to hide. Someone just shout stand. Lord, I feel something coming on. It's time to stand. And when you're committed to God, you'll know because you got the power to stand. Paul is committed even though he was in prison, he was still standing. And I heard you in your poem, you said that the three Hebrew boys stood in the fire. I said, my Lord, she's all in my message. I'm telling somebody, you got the power to stand. I don't know what your fire is. I don't know when your fire is going to start. But I'm telling you, your fire is going to come, but you got the power to stand you got the power to stand and so Paul says I may apprehend for which I am apprehended I'm arrested and, and the message Bible says I'm reaching out to Christ who reached out for me what I'm trying to tell you is that even though Paul was in shackles Jesus was still reaching him and giving him joy he wasn't looking for God but God found him can I help someone right now I'm saying that in the worst season of your life, God can find you with discouragement in your heart. God can find you when you feel like you're just going through the motions and, and you know when to clap and you know when to dance. I'm telling you that God can send the right word or the right song or the right testimony to find you. And if you need to be found, say, Lord, even me. 
Someone just say, Lord, even me. And I'm telling you, he will find you. And when you feel like giving up, and I feel it in the house, the spirit of depression running rampant in God's house, I'm saying that God can find you. When you're on the brink of quitting and you got discouraged in church, I'm saying before you stop coming to church, God has the power to find you. And for those that may have fallen and guilt has gotten in your mind, I'm saying don't let the worst get the best of you. God will find you. Paul says, I am apprehended. It's personal. Someone say it's personal. It's personal. And I'm saying that God is reaching for us. He's not reaching for your filters, young people. He's not reaching for your mask. He doesn't care about your past because my Bible says, come on, Brother Joss, let's have some church. While we were yet sinners, then my Bible says that Christ died for the ungodly. That means that your life wasn't perfect. It doesn't mean that you had everything together. But rather, in fact, when things was going a mess, he died for your sins. And I'm so glad he died. And so what you got to do is let go of the things that are valuable in the world. All those things that are on social media, I'm saying let those things go. The popularity and, and the likes and uh, and all the things that may be funny in high school and middle school and elementary school, you got to let it go. And you may say, Elder Lynch, how do you know that? Because my Bible tells me, Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I'm telling you, you got to let those things go. Stop trying to cover it up like all is well. Tell your neighbor, let it go. I know you may have made a mistake and the enemy is working on your mind but you gotta let it go I know you were in an ugly situation and they were talking about you but tell someone let it go I know you might have been hurt and the enemy's working in your situations to say stop coming to church but you gotta let it go and the enemies put negative thoughts in your mind you gotta let it go because elder Geddes you can't move forward while you're looking in the rear room mirror but if you're gonna go forward in Christ you gotta keep on pushing that's why Paul says forgetting those things which are behind and I'm reaching for those things that are ahead someone say I press I press for the mark and I'm telling you right now he's not worried and I'm talking about God now about your public appearance because my Bible says a broken and a contrite heart oh God will thou not despise so can I help someone that may have fallen all you gotta do is take your mask off and say Lord help me I know you wanna look good in front of your girlfriends and I know you want to look good in front of the church mothers. But if you want God to help you, just say, Lord, it's me standing in the need of prayer. Lord, I feel like preaching. You got to forget those things which are behind. And you got to protect which things are our front. Can someone give God praise? Can God give God some praise? Paul says, I'm reaching. I need the church to help me preach this thing. Someone just say, I'm reaching. I'm reaching to those things which are before. And you may say, Lynch, what are those things? I want to tell you those things are being in the will of God. I'm saying those things are reaching for the blessings of God. I'm talking about reaching for those things that will help you when nobody can help you. I'm talking about reaching and developing a life of prayer and a life of fasting, taking time out to get connected from God because if you're getting joy from the world I'm telling you it's going to run out but if you're connected to Jesus he's the best thing that will ever happen to you somebody give God praise somebody give God praise and so Paul says Paul says rejoice in the Lord 
always and again I say rejoice I'm telling you if you're just waiting for things to be perfect in your life you're never going to give God praise but you got to get to the position in your mind you got to get to the position in your heart when things may not be going good but my song says when praises go up blessings come down does anyone want to feel a blessing from the Lord well that's when praises go up and it's amazing as you praise God he will send your deliverance as you praise God he will send your breakthrough when you praise God he will give you what you need and people may say you're not smart enough they may say you're not purity enough but you tell them I can do all things I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me tell your neighbor I can do all things they may say you're not gonna go to college you look them right in the face and say I can do all things the devil may say once you go to college you're gonna fall but tell that devil I can do all things when those boys try to find you young ladies tell that devil I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me does anyone got the power does anyone got the power of God then let's give God some praise David said I will bless the Lord at all times I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually come on praise him praise the Lord praise him until you get your breakthrough praise him until you get your deliverance praise him until the shackles come on I feel the joy of the Lord I feel the joy of the Lord I feel the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is my strength and with joy will I draw waters out of the well of salvation does anyone have joy does anyone have joy Tell somebody, I'm committed. Tell somebody, I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm not turning back. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. can't turn back now what am I turning back to there's nothing in the world what am I backsliding for there's nothing for me but I'm glad that I know where my joy comes from Paul as I take my seat was writing from prison and I'm telling some young person in the teenage years of your life you may feel like you're in prison your parents treating you crazy in school you're a misfit nobody likes you but I'm saying you can be in prison and still have joy. Hallelujah. Yes, you can. You can be going through the worst season of your life. But my Bible tells me he promised never to leave us. Never to forsake us. He said, "Lo, I'm with you always. And if someone's committed, let's give God a committed praise. Come on, let's give him a committed praise. A committed praise. A committed praise. Whatever I'm going to, I'm committed. Whatever they say about me, I'm committed. No matter what comes my way, I'm committed. I'm committed. I'm committed. Oh, yeah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm committed. I'm committed. Hallelujah. I'm committed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, no matter what comes my way, I'm committed.